Okay. So welcome everyone to another episode of uh, Profit Max Podcast. And today we're going to talk to an uh, icon in the leadership training business. Uh, I think he needs no introduction. You guys know him already. I think I'm sure uh, the name Leaderonomics is associated with him. Uh, very well known. Uh, very pleased to have Roshan Tiran with us today. And I'll be introducing him in a little while. But first of all, um, just, just a bit of background for people who may be watching this for the first time. My name is Peter Lam. I'm the author of this book called Profit Makes Your Business. And this podcast channel is basically designed to bring insights from business leaders to help you guys you know, in business to gain more information, more knowledge, and to hear from different, different angles because sometimes that really makes a big difference. So we're here to add value to you. And, uh, you know, hope, hope this episode, like all the other episodes, uh, will do the same. So without uh, much further ado, let me introduce Roshan. I've known Roshan for many years. And uh, many, of us, many of us have followed him, you know, from the days when every Saturday we look forward to his pull-out uh, section in the star, you know, the Lidronomics uh, pull-out, you know. So some people start with that on Saturdays. Uh, but now he's uh, gone online, I think, totally. And uh, I know I know Roshan used to come from a corporate background. I believe he was many years with GE. So we'll let him tell us about his story. So over to you, uh, Roshan. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey to Lidronomics, how sure. it has been and you know how it, how you got here in the first place. Sure, sure. Thanks for uh, the invite. You know, so you know, I, I um, you know, one of the things I think for myself is that um, you know, one big thing early on in my life was about trying to find meaning and trying to find purpose in what I was doing and you know when I started uh, early on uh, right after or during university I got an internship with a company called General Electric in the US um, and when I was studying there and uh, I, I interned and my boss actually who's now uh, one of our uh, uh, one of our I guess advisors in Leadronomics today my first <coughs> boss a guy called Mike Petroselli um, you know he kind of really during my internship beat me up and pushed me really really hard and, uh, and, and then, you know, as I finished my internship, he said, look, don't waste time with school. Come work for me and, uh, and skip your last year of school. I said, look, I'm on scholarship. Why should I do that? And uh, we negotiated and I ended up uh, working for him for a year, uh, mm-hmm. doing school part time, uh, doing the night. You know, we had night classes and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I started uh, at the age of 20 working for, for GE in the investment uh, space. Uh, we were part of uh, GE Investments, a uh, uh, small setup. Uh, wow. to invest G's pension trans. So I was, I was a finance guy. And then I, I ended up doing many, many roles in GE, about nine, nine, nine to ten roles in GE. Um, and most of my roles were in finance. Uh, you know, starting out uh, in the US, in Connecticut, I, I moved uh, for a little while to NBC, which is uh, GE's, at that time, GE owned NBC Universal, which is a TV oh, okay. production. Yeah, so I was the news and sports uh, finance guy. Um, uh-huh. So I, I ran the, you know, Scott, I wouldn't say ran, but I, I was the finance guy for the news and sports uh, division of uh, NBC for a while. Wow. Um, then I, I went to Europe for a while uh, with G Capital. Uh, I did a, uh, I was an acquisition integration guy. So whenever we bought a bank, my job was to go and integrate it. Uh, so I spent 90 days in, say, uh, Czech Republic. We bought a bank, Agrobank. Um, so I spent 90 days there. I bought, you know, we went, we bought multi-service in Denmark. Uh, spent uh, three months in Italy. And so on. So I spent uh, a good, nice uh, uh, couple of years in Europe uh, doing integration, and then I came back to the US. The time it was 1998, um, and I ended up actually. Uh, I I think it's because I'm Indian. So you see, it's funny thing is, 
I am a finance guy, <laughs> uh, and uh, somehow you know one of the things I did in the integration role took got the eye of Jack Welch, which was this ninety day plan. Um, and, and so I, I was part of this best practice team um, in GE, and our goal was to make sure everybody in the GE world knew about this ninety uh, uh, day integration plan. But you know that was the year nineteen ninety eight where people were worried the world was going to end in the year two thousand. If you remember the Y two K bus, and uh, for whatever reason, I think it's just because I'm Indian, uh, I was uh, asked to be a Y two K person and to fix our Y two K problem, which I which I got you know. And when you know in those days, right? I think now people will fight back with their boss and say, no, 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 I don't want to do this work. But in those days, when your boss says jump, you just say how high, sir, and you just jump, right? So when they say do Y two K, I was like yes, sir, and and that was it. So I I got into tech. Technology and that was it was fascinating because I got to see uh, uh, a, a lot of legacy systems, right? Because GE is mm. a very manufacturing company, and going around from Brazil, you know, I spent a couple of a couple of uh, you know some time in Brazil with our South American business. You know, we went to uh, 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 you know parts of Italy and and Barcelona and understanding our power business there uh, and some of the legacy systems because we had really I mean think about this uh, you know man, big manufacturing companies they would invest in huge uh, legacy systems. And the only reason to change, I mean, everything works, right? Uh, was Y2K, right? And so instead of fixing the code, uh, one thing that we and our team decided is that we didn't want to fix the code. Let's just upgrade to new systems. So I got involved with Oracle um, because Oracle is trying to get into the whole uh, MRO space, right? Uh, the maintenance repair uh, operations uh, uh, software space and compete with SAP. Um, you know, so I, I I worked that and 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 you know somewhere along the line I got invited to board meetings and one of the sessions I met the head of aircraft engines. Um, and I said, look, you've an entity in Malaysia because they just bought a company from Malaysian Airlines uh, in Subang. And I said, I'm Malaysian. Send me back. Let me run the place. <laughs> and they finally agreed. And you know, it was like a nightmare when I came back because it was a very, very badly run operations. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where really my journey began because uh, I got an opportunity to turn around that entire business. And to today, right, it's still the best in the world. Um, you know, mm. it's, it is the only Malaysian business I think for the last twenty years that's the best in the world. Uh, and and is that turned around actually. Arrow or something? Not Arrow, but it was called Arrow ninety seven before. Okay. Uh, Arrow is the the, the military uh, uh, com- uh, engines. Ours is the commercial engines. Okay. Um, but today this company, you know, when I came in, it was thirty million US dollar, losing thirty, losing about sixty million US, right? Uh, so that that was a shock. You know, we grew it in two years to about maybe 150, 200 million, 200 million US. So about wow. close to a billion, uh, but not yet, not not yet the ringgit. Um, Today it's a billion plus US dollar business, right? Wow! Uh, it's still, still it's the biggest, the best. Today, uh, you know, Ryanair, Southwest Airlines, all the best airlines in the world. They send their shop, they send their aircraft, uh, or they send their engines, right, to Subang, or they send it to KLI, and then they transfer it to Subang to to be overhauled, right? Um, so wow. many airlines in the world do that today, right? Um, and I, 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 you know, I had the opportunity of turning that around, and and part of that journey was that. I suddenly got the attention, not just of the GE world, but, uh, but really in Malaysia, right? Kazana at that time in 2003, we had a new prime minister and he was very adamant about fixing the GLC. I think one of our better prime ministers, right? I mean, when you look at history of all our hor- horrendous prime ministers, uh, Badawi, you know, they call, him, they call him the sleeping guy. But, you know, honestly, a lot of things that he did was, uh, was, uh, was really good, right? I mean, he opened yeah. up the country. He, and one of the things he did was this GLC transformation, uh, GLS, uh, GL, GLC transformation program, government companies transformation program, where he said he wanted to clean up the GLCs. Mm. Um, and he started the orange book, yellow book. And if you, if you read those books, a lot of that is predicated on the the work that we did at Gene Services. 
um, which is that transformation uh, blueprint. Um, and so, you know, I, I started getting involved in helping on a pro bono basis, different uh, Kazana owned or, or GLCs, uh, got, got to know uh, people like Dato Sai, uh, uh, you know, at that time he was in post Malaysia, uh, and a number of folks, you know, because they all say, hey, how did you do it? Uh, come help us and, and talk us through the process of taking a local Malaysian company, because it was really a company that we bought from Malaysian Airlines. Uh, so it was very local um, and really turning it around to not just being best in Asia, but really being best in the world. Um, so that's really where it started. And that's where I, I started getting fascinated by change, by transformation, by people transformation. Because I think what was more interesting is not that the company became number one, you know, but the same people that two years ago were useless because everyone told me that the problem in your company is people, right? If you get rid of the people and get better people, then your company will be better. But we didn't do that, no. we didn't get rid of people. We took the same people, but we made the company better. <laughs> and ah. in, 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 in the process, our people became best in the world. Oh, right? how, so how the same you, people- how, how did you do that? How did you do that? <laughs> so you're saying so, it's the same people. It's the same people, and today if you look at- them. Ah. Today, Suresh is the, 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 the head, right? We had Nashad, we had all these local guys, right? Who, who were the heads before, but Suresh was my billing guy, right? When I was there, right? Doing billing and customer service and so on. Uh, today is the MD of the shop, and they are doing a billion plus, right? Mm. Um, so, and and if you if you think about it, and the, I think the question is more of, in most organizations, I feel in Malaysian organizations, we 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 there are three or four things. I mean, these are the three or four things that we focused on, la. I think the first one is your business model, la. You got to get the right business model, and we, we were flawed, right, in many many ways. And so we pivoted and we started to look at the right business model. But once we get that right. The next piece is alignment. That means everybody in the business must do it in an aligned manner. It means I must have the same vision. I must have the same understanding of where we are. I must mm -hmm. have the same game plan. And I must be executing all in the same direction. Getting so everybody the on the same stage. Yeah? And that's the hardest part of leadership. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the hardest part of leadership. Blah. Then I think the third piece is about structure. What I learned was that if you want behavior to change, you can tell people to behave differently. Nothing will happen, even if you're the CEO. But if you change structures, if I change compensation, if I change the way people report to who, if I change how people, uh, uh, which, re which behavior is rewarded, which behavior is punished, if I change uh, systems, if I start to change that, then I will change behavior. And that's what we did. We started to change the systems and structures in the company. And the last part is about, about what we call culture. And culture to me is beliefs. Um, because in, inside our company, we had a lot of beliefs that Malaysians are lousy, yeah, we are Malaysians, like, come on. What do you mean? Because my first thing I came here, I said, look guys, the best in the world can turn around engine in 40 days. You guys are doing it at 500 days on average. What the <laughs> hell, man? Uh, and, 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 and oh, but you know, don't understand, it's different here. We're compliant. You are not from, you're in banking you space. What you all know? But, yeah, no, but, but you know, they push back. It's like, you're from banking space. What you all know about compliance? I'm like, hey, banking is so highly compliant. Okay, maybe not as compliant as aviation. But, but, and I, the thing is, I came from an area of non, not being an expert, right? I'm, I'm not an aviation expert, they were. And if you listen to their, 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 their comments, they all sound very reasonable. But I was a bit unreasonable and I realized that I can say I want change, I want change, nothing's going to happen. So you change the structure. So then I said, okay, fine. We, we organized something very simple. I said, I got no money because we were losing money, right? So I said, I, did say, I said look guys, I, I go division by division. I said, look, if you can just give me a 10% better performance, right? 
we we celebrate your success by having a satay party for everybody. And that's what we did, right? We just little satay parties. So when one division did slightly better, so let's say the turnaround is 10 days for this division. It means, uh, let's say I'm, I'm the, 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 the guys that strip out all the piece parts and take the engine and make it into piece parts. Mm. And I take 10 days to do it. If they make it, they do it in seven days, I'm like, wow, we have a little party and I'll honor them. I'll say, hey, uh, buy 1,000 sticks of, uh, we had about 400 guys there, for, uh, maybe 1,500 sticks of satay, and which is not that expensive. Satay, I can, I can, I can uh, satay, not so expensive, lah, right? So I, I buy 1,000 sticks of satay or 2,000 sticks of satay, put it out there and say, guys, today, you know, because these guys have move, managed to move from 10 days to 7 days, we're having this party in honor of them. And then the other guys will say, hey, why you never honor us? I also want to be honored, okay? Do, far, do better. And so then we started, and this is what we call rituals, right? You create rituals of productivity and mm. soon everybody's fighting to to be better because they want to be the honored guest because we you know the satay party will bring the the whole team the five of them or eight of them and honor them and clap and and say look at what they did and and let them make speeches and they all feel good you know for a few hundred bucks of satay right um yeah. and so so to me i can afford satay um and it's very visible and it's not really paying them you know i'm not really paying mm. them everybody mm. benefits from the free satay but yeah. they get honored, right? So things like that, right? And these are these mm-hmm. are what we call little tweaks right, in the organization. Yeah, yeah. And I realized the more you start to tweak it, and then guess what? When we started getting to 100 days, people were like, hey, we 100 days, you know. Then I said, the best in Asia, they do it 60 to 80 days. Surely we can be the best in Asia, right? And then boom, we are 60 days, we are 55 days. Hey, come on. Surely we're better than IHI, right? They do it in 40 days. Come on, we can do this better. Wow. We hit 35 days, right? Wow. And we consistently had no defects, right? And Japan Airlines, one of the most, and, and this was during my time there, right? Japan Airlines came and called me. I remember Nagatobi-san, the, the head of engineering from Japan Airlines. He's like, Roshan-san, I want to sign a 10-year long-term deal with you. Wow. Um, and I'm like, 10 years, <laughs> exclusive, long-term, Japan Airlines, the one of the most safest airlines in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and I was like, wow, we've done it, right? At that time, we haven't done 35 days. We were still at about... 60, 70 days. But he said, look, I know you're going to be the best in the world, I, I, but you give me pricing based on 60 days so that I get cheaper pricing. But when you get to 35, I, I benefit, right? Uh, these are the smart Japanese guys that, that, uh, ah. that figured it out, right? And true enough, within six months, we were, we were there. We were, we, we were hitting 40 days consistently, 35 yeah. days, and so on and so forth, right? It's quite um, an amazing story, you know, quite an amazing journey. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I learned a, a lot. I mean, it was a very stressful mm. time. Um, which then led me to my second part of my life, which is I quit GE and said, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm too tired. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, you know what happened after that? Yeah, so I, I, I actually at that point in time, I said, it's too tiring. I, I was in China. Because uh, you remember when you're, when you're running a business, you're always doing sales, right? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, la, right? Um, so I was in China. I, I remember this, I was in Asiana in Korea uh, with Asiana Airlines. Two days later, I flew to Japan Airlines, uh, met up with the Japan team. And then I flew to Guangzhou to meet with China Southern Airlines and I was having dinner, I think, with Madam Wei, the, the head of engineering for China uh, Southern Airlines. I just, it's like big bowl of soup in front of me. I just collapsed uh, <laughs> next to the bowl and just fell flat and she panicked, you know. She's like, what's happening? What's happening? And, and I realized it's a good sales tactic because immediately uh, she signed the contract and said, go home, go home. <laughs> and I got 10 engines, right? But on my way home, I said, I'm too tired. I have done it. I mean, we've, we've turned around the business. I've done it. Uh, so I quit. I told GE, you know, I went to the HR guy, I said I quit. And he said, no, 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 you're not quitting, you're taking a sabbatical. And that's really uh, actually set me up because um, one of the things he asked me uh, was very interesting. And this is a HR guy uh, of GE. He said, look, you're a good guy. You just need a break. You need to do something completely different. Go, go fix something that, you know, you are angry about or passionate about. And he asked me, what do you think is the worst thing in GE? 
uh, then I say, what do you mean by worst thing? Like, what do I, you know, worst function or worst operation or worst business? You know, then I said, worst function is yours, lah, HR. It's a horrendous function. And HR people are hopeless. They're always blockers and everything cannot do, cannot do, cannot do. Like, really useless. And then you look at me. And I'm like, uh, obviously, I was at a state of mind. I didn't give, I really didn't care about what I was saying, right? Uh, but but he took it with a grain of salt and he laughed and he said, I think you're right. And he said, come help me fix it. Lah. And he said, look, I can't put you in a HR role. But why don't I put you, because our new CEO, Jeff Imel, at that time, there was a CEO transition where mm. Jack Welsh had left. And uh, uh, and I met up with, with Jack, uh, Jack uh, Jeff Imel, and I met up with a bunch of the HR guys. And, and he said, look, I think it's a good idea to have you as an ops guy go and run our learning. Uh, and, 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 and Jeff gave me a, a, a target to revamp the curriculum. So I got an opportunity at that time to revamp GE's curriculum. So for the, for the last 15 years or so, we were using Jack Welsh you know, it's four, four E's and uh, one P. We had all the leadership curriculum based on workout and, and, and change acceleration. And the new CEO said, look, change it and let's have a new leadership curriculum. And that's how I got into the whole learning space, right? I, I ended up spending two years revamping GE's curriculum. Um, and then I ended up being head of HR for Asia for GE. Um, yeah. And then at that point in time, Johnson & Johnson came to me. This is about four or five years later. They came to me and said, look, we like what you did at GE. Can you come to J&J and help us revamp our talent programs? Um, so I then ended up on a global role, uh, helping them in the global talent uh, organization in Johnson & Johnson. Um, and, uh, and then at that point in time is where I started Leadonomics. Uh, is where I said, look, I, I'm tired of traveling all over. You know, in GE, I worked in Shanghai, in Japan, <laughs> Singapore. You know, I, I was all over, right? Uh, at that point, I said, look, I, I enjoyed my time in Malaysia the most. I want to stay back. I want to come back here and that's where I set up Leadonomics. I finished my J&J project um, and, and, and we set up Leadonomics already. Mm. Yep. What, what year was that, Roshan? Uh, we set up Leadonomics in 2007. I joined Leadonomics in 2009. Okay. Um, so in 2007, we did it more as an NGO. So Leadonomics was not started as a business. It was started as a... So Kuiming and I, um, many years ago when I was in G, when I was head of HR of uh, Asia, I used to run the GE volunteers or what we call Alphan, the GE, the volunteer program. And this is where we get our men. And one of, the th- one of the experiments that I started to do is that I started to take young Malaysians and protect them for a couple of years. Actually hire them into GE, keep them in a separate, uh, like a house uh, that got project. They, 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 they end up doing projects for me, lah, right? And maybe a couple of guys in my team. After two years of experiencing GE, I then let them go into the business. And what we found was so interesting that, you know, these are people from UPM, USM, UM, you know, the local universities are UITM and so on. Mm. And I realized that initially the first two years was a struggle. Language was an issue. Uh, you know, confidence was an issue. Um, not so much skill, but the, the, they had the skill, but just not the confidence to execute. So the execution was very poor. But when you protect them and you teach them and you whack them and you push them and you force them into very uncomfortable experiences, after two, three years, you know, today, if you look at GE, right, so many CFOs in GE today are from that, from that group, right, uh, you know, of, of, of people that, that we, we've experimented. And I realized, hey, maybe if I can take a Malaysian and, you know, just like manufacturing, right, you can take a talent and, and process them and then they come out into a gem, right? So it's not so much the university education, it's the organizational experience, it's a process, right? If you can bake that process in right, you can actually create gems of, of people. And that's, that's kind of how we started Leronomics. We said, look, let's start with the young kids who are mm. 12, 13 years old. Let's <clears throat> spend time with them. And so Leronomics, you know, I, I got I hired a guy, Young Jun, and I said, you, just go find poor kids all over the world, all over Malaysia, la, in focus, and, and get them into a program, a camp, and I'll bring my G managers to volunteer. 
and and um, and then we will continue to build that relationship with the G manager and that person, those kids over. Yeah, talking about twelve, thirteen year old, very yeah, young. 12, 13 year old, yeah, twelve, thirteen year old, yeah, yeah, teenagers. Yeah, young teen. And 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 you'd be surprised. So we started in two thousand three. This GE volunteer, right? We ran camps. Uh-huh. But by 2007, say it is working, you know, it is absolutely working because we saw a lot of these kids from Miri, from Lawas, from uh, KK, from, you know, most of them were East Malaysians. Um, we saw that they were, they, they, the confidence was higher. They had experience working with, you know, whether it's Matsales and so on and so forth. Um, and they, they, they went into universities and they succeeded. And some of them even got jobs in, in, in big organizations, right? Uh-huh. Um, and I said, this works, you know, and I said, why don't we do this? So I put some money of my own and I said, let's, do this lah for fun. <laughs> Every year we take a batch of thirty kids, forty kids, you know, truly funded by myself and volunteers, lah, right? And so that's two thousand seven. We started our camps, two thousand eight. But two thousand eight, um, you know, I started writing articles for the Star, and the CEO of Star, you know, uh, that time that was Stephen, said, hey, you know, I want to, I want you to come work for me in the Star. I said, go and go and die lah. I'm never <laughs> gonna work for you. <laughs> I was J and J right? Why should I work for you guys? Then finally he said, look, I'll put some investment in to your NGO. You work for the NGO. You work for Leadernomics, the NGO. And do whatever you want lah. I don't care. Just help us in Star when I need you. So I'm like, hey, that sounds interesting, right? Uh, because I get to do what I think I'm very passionate about, which is helping Malaysians, right? Um, and I took up the offer. I mean, small investment they made. Unfortunately for me, in 2008, there was an election in MCA. Star is owned by a political party. Uh, um, and this MCA guys decided to remove him as CEO and put somebody else in. And there ended our... Although they, 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 and they, what they had done is they had put some money in and they had transferred it and made us into a company. So we are Liramix and Yamrahat. 51% owned now by, by them. <laughs> and suddenly a new CEO comes in. Whoa! Who's funding you? What's happening? And we, I suddenly realized I've left my job. I come in here full time and, and now I've got no funding, right? Because that, that whole thing just died, right? And that's where I say, hey, I, I got to do something. So that's how we started a training business. Ah. I said, okay, I go and teach. So I am the only one who taught and eight of us, the rest of them, did, did the continue to do the NGO work or the, or the community work, right? Okay. Um, and that's our business model. I teach everybody else get paid salary, I also get paid a salary. So we all, so I teach to get, you know, X amount, maybe 100,000 a month, and then I'll take a bit, somebody else take, and we cover our costs, right? Um, and and interestingly, at that point in time, you know, the stuff I talked about, um, all the GLC transformations were happening. Mm. 2008, 2009, post-Malaysia mm. transformation, mm. Gas Malaysia, uh, D, uh, uh, Malakov, DRB, I mean, there were so many transformation projects, um, you know, in across the UMW, um, and, and, you know, whenever, I, I remember this because Tan, uh, Tan Sri uh, Azman, who was the, the time the head of uh, Kazana, you know, post-Malaysia, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Sai at the time wrote to him and said, we're going to use McKinsey on this transformation project. It's going to cost us don't know how many million to do it. And he wrote back, what for? Go talk to Roshan. I'm sure he'll do it for cheaper. <laughs> right? And then uh, I, I remember my first conversation with, with him was like, who are you? Why should I talk to you? Uh, Asman asked me to talk to you. Who are you? What the hell? I don't want to use you. I want to use McKenzie. And I'm like, okay, don't need to use me, but here's what I can do for you. And then I talked to him, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we became good friends. And six months later, Post Malaysia is profitable. Uh, we did something very simple in Post Malaysia. We just doubled the price of the stamp from 30 cents to 60 cents, right? So that's that's a business model tweak, right? Uh, which which I, which I told you, right? We start with the business model, then go to alignment, then go to culture uh, or, or structure. So, you know, one simple tweak, 
double the price of stamps be profitable right uh, and, mm. and I think the other side and I have been good friends since like, he, he went to Proton as chairman he's like hey you gotta help me with Proton boom you know and uh, a couple of years ago before the sale we were helping uh, helping them so suddenly the work just expanded because so many people came and I realized that I had to build a team to do the delivery um, and that's where you know Lee Mix, the corporate business started like, we hired the, the Eric Laos the Caroline Ongs the you know the 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 the, the, the Kyril uh, and Vinish and all these guys are right today many of them are big leaders in other companies but uh, we brought all these people in and they ultimately ran the corporate business uh, um, while mm. I continued to run the community and then later we we, we pivoted uh, I mean uh, you know uh, about 2013-2014 I, I don't know many people don't know this but I actually ended up going back to the star uh, to manage it for a while right after the elections of 2013 uh, where they didn't have a CEO so I, I, I stepped in for a while uh, but I, I didn't last for long uh, because after two, I think it was uh, three or four months I quit uh, I just it was uh, too uh, yeah, I see the uh, member <laughs> I, I, I think transformation works when there is total <laughs> alignment uh, so let's just we'll leave it at that uh. <laughs> okay okay alright that's very interesting background no uh, Roshan sure. and, and quite a lot of lessons there you know the, the way your mind thinks and the, the mindset that you have and your three step model that you have Mm. Um, I want to ask you, uh, you know, coming from a corporate background where you have a lot, you gain a lot of management skills and the way you look at things very different, very corporate. Mm. Uh, has that helped you in your entrepreneur journey or conversely, has it been a bit of in, in, uh, uh, what do you call a bit of an impedance and, and uh, probably some things you need to unlearn when you go into being an entrepreneur? Which which is it or is it a combination yeah. of both or? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I think um, the, the interesting thing is that um, I think it helps and it also uh, detracts, right? I mean, it's both, right, uh, to some extent. So if you think about it, right, I think one of the things that people don't give a lot of, uh, they, you know, when, when they start a business, a lot of people don't realize this, right? It's not so much just the uh, knowledge that you have or the product understanding or, or it's also the relationships that you have, right? Um, so, you know, if you think about when I was in GE, I, I always volunteered for stuff, right? So I volunteered, not that I was paid by Kazana and all these guys, I, I volunteered to help uh, in the GLC transformation projects. Um, you know, I, I helped out. And, and in the process, I got to meet Idris Jala, I got to meet all these guys, Amar Padas. You know, I got to meet pretty much all the big CEOs of all the GLCs um, that, 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 uh, that, that, that connected with me la, and, and understood my story and, and, and also were trying to learn from me. And, and, and in the process, um, when I started the business, you know, it, it um, you know, on one side, that corporate side where the relationships, the, 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 the networks, the ability to connect across boundaries, the ability to go to a CEO and say, look, I understand because I worked in a, in a multinational and I understand what it means to be a CEO of UMW, right? Because I understand what silos are, I understand what divisions are, and I've, 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 I've dealt with that. You know, I've, I was a HR guy across, across you know, 15 units in, in, in GE, right? Um, when I was running, you know, GE across Asia. So I understand, you know, where, where it works. I was also in the business, I was in the aviation business. So I understand the business perspective, you know, sitting in the business where the corporate guys and the, the guys from HQ are shouting shit on you. I'm like, go to hell. I'm doing my work, don't disturb us. Whereas at the same time, I was in HQ, right? I'm the HR guy at HQ level and I, I need, you know, all these things. So, you know, having that perspective helped when you, when you went into companies and say, look, I think I, when, I, when I do instructional design, when I understand your business model and your business strategy and develop training programs that align, I understand mm. that. So that's helpful. Mm -hmm. and on the flip side, I think where the learning has been huge is that you don't realize, right? Because when you have a big team, right? 
everyone's so specialized in their different areas you don't realize how complex business can be and how all-rounder you need to be right you need to be understanding you need to be really the really good in sales but you need mm. to be really good in finance you need to be really good in in development i mean you know we, we pivoted to you know to some extent we have a new division you digital that i think uh, you know has just my board member uh, uh, paul was just telling us like you guys are he's better than many of the u.s companies right why aren't you doubt that right but but to make that that change you got to be so agile you got to be so flexible and you got to burn right because in in the past right you in corporate you learn that when you drive when you deliver when you develop something new you must succeed now when you start mm. new digital businesses right it's going to be failure long long time of failure <laughs> and you just have to tahan 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 and like okay just close your eyes and just burn millions and millions and millions and just get it but ultimately you get the point you're like okay this works the product market fit works the, the education is there the awareness is there there's a there's a right fit customers want it boom you got it you know mm. nicole is working right but it takes many many years now in in, in the corporate we, we say you know uh fail and fail fast and this you know when, when it fails jump it but you know i think when you do it when you're talking startups and innovation it's a lot of time is you build a base and then it doesn't work then you take parts of it out and you replace it but the base remains the same you know um and but you're innovating in terms of driving the product features to be a product market fit you know and i think that's the part where it's very uh, a huge learning for me lah, right uh, because you know i i think i can be innovative in products but that innovation it was like pricing you know the the innovation is in pricing or oh, we we price it in a certain way it's not real product engineering right it's not real real really like you're chopping and 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 and, and shelving a product um i think neuron mix we really literally chop a product into half and say i take half of this product i take another half i put it together hey we got a new product here right we just created that you know called the accelerator with a coach right uh, and peter you should you should uh, talk to our guys because we we got we got nicole which is a totally digital scalable but we realize people want human touch right so we say hey just put a coach together with nicole he you've got a you've got a coaching scalable coaching product right um mm-hmm. and we just developed that like a couple of weeks ago right and and i'm, I'm i look at the guys like oh right? and uh and 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 that's that's but that takes a lot of crowd you don't you can't do that in big companies you know you you know how many approvals what do you mean you have to do oh coaching is a different division this different division oh, right, right, and, and you've got all that 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 bureaucracy and red tape right? and mm-hmm. sometimes you know even the romics we have that right uh, mm-hmm. because we have our 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 silos too um but it's a lot more easier to navigate and and we have to be faster lah uh, but to me those are the two big lessons lah, i think mm okay so agility and speed of response um what was the yeah. thing that keeps you you know you're a very driven guy you know very high energy very driven guy what's the thing that keeps you going and keeps you motivated and yeah i mean i i <laughs> I don't know about uh, that lah, but I, you know, one, when we set up the Iran mix, our goal was very simple. Lah. We said um, we want to take one person mm. and make them into a better leader. So if you look at our vision, right, which is growing, growing people into leaders, that's the first part of the vision. The second mm. part is building communities of love, <coughs> and the third part is transforming the nation. So that's our vision mm. statement. Now, if you look okay. at our vision statement, it's taking one person and making them a better leader. Now, why do you make them a better leader? So that they can change the communities they serve. And change it from fear-based, race-based, all the idiot-based stuff that we see today in our country into love-based, right? Which is you have an environment where people can be their best. There's no fear. There's a lot of oxytocin and serotonin and and less uh, cortisol that is being thrown out into the air, right? I mean, if you look at it in a chemical perspective, like that's what love does, right? Yeah. Um. So so that and now, if you make if if there are ten communities that transform, 
20 communities, 100 communities, 50 organizations, 100 organizations. If you can do that in a, in a scalable manner, right? You don't need to go to the streets and march and, and, and dissolve parliament and all that. Automatically, the country will be transformed because you've got yes. communities that, are, that are in, have high integrity, they have love, yes, they have practice yes. justice, equality, yeah. and equity, yeah. and all these things, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the think... goal is very simple, right? <laughs> is mm. to take a person and make them a better leader. Mm. And they will be the lead, the better leader will make the community better. Yeah. And the community and many, many such communities will transform the nation. So that's the mm. that's the vision we hold on to. Lah. So you mm. ask me what motivates me. And you know, 2018 I was excited because you know we saw some change happen. You know, unfortunately, uh, a lot short of live. Yeah, short live and also it's not I mean there were a lot of uh, old people in that that, that administration. Unfortunately, like, yeah. Uh, unfortunately you still had the same old players with just a different face and a mask or whatever you want to call it, like, right? Uh, and, and today they're back, like, right? Uh, in this this new new government and so on. But but the, the, the point is that um, you know if you really want to drive change, um, it has to be an inside out perspective, right? Um, yeah. you gotta transform the inside. And and you know, in twenty eighteen I think when when the Minister of HR and and a couple of others spoke to me. A couple of the ministers spoke to me. You know, um, uh, I, I I said, look, I'm I'm volunt- I am happy to support, and I and, and I think we we try to, but you know, at the inside out perspective, look at the organization and say, let's yes. make the inside great. And yeah. if you make the inside great, the outside will shine. It's like an onion, right? Yeah. If yeah. the inside is great, you peel it, peel it, peel it. You know, we, we see the top layer, but the most important is the core, right? The core, yeah. Um, and, and so and that's, that's the vision. That's what that's, that's what our our I don't know if you recall. You no, know, we had a little chat about this some months ago. That's what our virtuous leadership program is all about, changing from the core. And yeah, you were absolutely. talking about the Prime Minister in 2003. I remember one of his big projects was the Integrity Institute, which I think has yeah. died or something now, no? Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. what we need, no? So anyway, yeah. let's say so it's it's, it's 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 what drives me. La. So you ask me what mm. motivates me, it's like, that's the vision. You know, although I was a bit mm. disappointed and maybe for a year or two, uh, including COVID, right? I mean, COVID just wiped me out, right? Uh, you know, imagine, you know, March, <laughs> mid, mid-March, right? Um, suddenly, you got zero revenue, right? Uh, for for a, a month and a half, two months. You know, my payroll is huge, right? I got, at that time, I had about 80, 90 people uh, on, on payroll, right? I mean, if you, you know, we, we, we weren't a small company at that point in time, right? Uh, with huge investments. I mean, I've been burning millions and millions every year on the digital business, right? And, and our digital business was not ready. Uh, because we're still building, we were building Nico happily, Budaya, you know, Mental Cloud. We're building all this stuff, right? And you know, when you build tech, is is years and years and millions and millions, right? Um, but it happened, and it forces us to go faster. Uh, you know, we still we still think we have probably the best LXP in, in Asia. We probably have the best uh, uh, learning enge- uh, or engagement app, you know, in Budaya. Um, but you know, it's still you know the tech business is something. Is you can have the best app, but if you don't have the most money to throw and market. Uh, you still lose, right? <laughs> because yeah, somebody else yeah. is throwing money and making, uh, you know, um, um, spending a million dollars on YouTube ads and, and yeah. a whole bunch of other things and you are like organically trying to grow. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's tough, right? Um, yeah, but, yeah. but it wiped you, right? And, and, you know, you see the government change, you see, uh, you know, it's like triple whammy, right? You see all the things you've built just thrown out the door, government change, COVID wipes your business, you're like, oh goodness, what are you going to do, right? Uh, so you asked me, I was a pretty demotivated, you know, in the early days, but then I realized, you know what? Uh, that's the hand you have been, you know, that's the hand, right? That, that you've been dealt, right? What are you going to mm. do, right? you got to just suck it up and figure it out, right? Um, and that's what we did, right? And, and uh, you know, today, we, we still, you know, on a month-to-month basis, you know, we figure out cash, right? 
I mean, on a month-to-month basis to today, I have to figure out how to pay my guys, right? Uh, we're much smaller today. You know, we are probably about 50, 60 people now uh, compared to our 80, 90, you know, a year ago. Um, but it's still, <laughs> but the news is that we are now, you know, probably got like about eight people in Indonesia. We've got uh, a couple of guys in Thailand. We've got, you know, even got a person in, in uh, Mexico today, you know. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, I just made an offer yesterday to somebody in Brunei. Um, you know, so we are, we are different, right? I mean, we've realized the Malaysian market may not be the, uh, the best yes, market. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, once you go digital, you're you playing the world market. And, and, the, and, the, and, and, and we can deliver all our programs virtually. Yes. Um, you know, we're completely virtual. And, you know, this time yeah. in, in June when they had the lockdown, you know, it was like, okay, our, our corporate business, our transaction business, let's let's continue plugging along and we're, 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 we're there. I mean, not, not again, you know, it's never going to be pre-COVID, right? Where you had, you had you know, that, that crazy number of classrooms and all this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with high margins baked in a lot of it. Um, not going to be like that, but it's a new world and, you know, we just have to yeah, step into it. just have to adapt, I guess. Huh? Okay, maybe to finish off, Roshan, because you are in a people business and skills and talent is very important. How do you how do you get talent? How do you attract get talent? And how do you keep talent? You know, talent is, uh, it's actually very, very tough, you know, when you don't have money, right? Uh, so... <laughs> So one of the things you know, so you know, I, I, I one one interesting thing I, you, you know, I did this year was you know I, I reached out to like the real big superstars. So you know, uh, there's a guy called Paul Marka who is the former provost of Stanford University. He, he retired last year. So you know when he retired, I said, Paul, what the hell are you doing? Uh, and he's like, oh, <laughs> I said you know you you you're Stanford University. You built the executive education at Stanford. You know you should be part of the Olympics. <laughs> like uh, then then I look at him. Then he said. You want me to be part of the Euromix? Like, yeah, yeah, I can't pay you, but you can be part of the Euromix, it'll be good for you, right? And, and Paul was like, uh, and after a while, we said, okay, I'll give you shares and, and, and we'll figure it out. I'm not going to give you cash, right? And so Paul joined our board, and Paul and I have been talking quite a bit. In fact, today he was talking to all our employees. We had an all employee meeting with Paul there. Um, and, and Paul, you know, a couple of, couple of months ago, he challenged me. He said, look, um, you know, you're getting talent in Malaysia and few here in these countries. But you know, why can't you get the best talent from Stanford University and Harvard and Yale and all these big guys? Because, you know, last year they had this uh, they had this lockdown and all these other crazy things happened in the US and many kids decided not to go into online university. They decided to take a gap year. Now, when they're sitting at home, they realized they couldn't travel. So they're sitting watching Netflix and they're doing nothing, they're bored. You know, go find these guys and organize, like create a global internship program and make them work for you for free, right? And, and that was in like May, end of May, right? Early June, I got my team together and said, look, we're launching the global internship program boom and we got 30 40 guys uh, we had about 400 applicants in all over the world wow. uh, we ended up picking 30 of them you know and today i've got you know like i said i've got all these people from all this world working for us for free um but making a, a huge difference right because they're, they're thinking in a different way mm. um, so for me part of it is <clears throat> you can attract talent and pay for it um but you always fall short you know i give you an example you, you know always uh, the pwcs and the eys uh, these horrible people, right? They they know that companies like us will always will always develop good talent, right? And they, they consistently from 2012, 2013, the they, they they literally are like they hire one of our guys and then they say sit in there and understand who's coming in and make sure you steal from. So every every couple of months, I lose. You know, after we develop, spend three, four, five years developing a person, we lose them, right? And I I realize that's gonna happen, you know. Uh, these guys have the money to say I'll pay you fifty percent, hundred percent more, and and they just they just, because they're desperate and they they and they realize they are fifty seventy percent. The quality is so much better anyway than paying for much others because we we bring in really younger folks and develop them right. 
Um, and I think you've met some of our people, right? Um, so, so I think I think you know. But so then I said, look, maybe it's it's uh, thinking about it in a different way, right? So maybe it's like let me let me uh, create a consistent team that I'm always bringing talent, regardless whether I need them mm. or not. So I, I've created this B squad, or what I call like a like a like a like a MI six or a, you know like like a Mission Impossible squad, right? So this one they work for me, so only work for me. Yeah, and I can hire anyone, right? So any pretty fresh grad, I'm like no questions asked. I'm like you come and work for me. Here's the job offer, bam, you come and work. And then they spend three to six months. And anytime we lose a person, right? Uh, like 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 you know, I'm sure I, I can almost assure you in the next two months, probably EY or PWC will hire somebody from our team, right? So can almost guarantee, right? It's okay, never mind. So we will lose somebody. That's okay. Boom, we've got a ready-made replacement that's fully up and running with instructional design skills, with, with uh, understanding of business strategy, you know, with understanding of the, the, how the, the, uh, the organization works. And, and, and to me, I think you're always going to be, you know, you can always say I'm a victim and you say the big buys are going to bully us and so on. Or you can mm. say, look, it's going to happen. Do something about it. <clears throat> and my approach is, let's just do something about it. You know? Okay. All right. Um, maybe just to tell you with one last question, no? You know, we are really in very tough times now, especially if you're an SME and you don't have a big brand. What would be one or two pieces of advice you have for SME entrepreneurs, no? People who are facing this. Yeah. So, so, so you ask yourself why your big brand, uh, why you don't have a big brand, you know? I mean, if you think about me, um, you know, again, we started with very little money and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got, you got this, you got that. But, you know, we, what, what a waste for me, you know? So, so, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, we were talking about this, Peter, before, right? Um, you know, BFM started about a couple of months after we started. So Leroy mm-hmm. started in early 2008 and BFM, you know, probably mid-September, I think they started. And, you know, when BFM started, um, they came to one of the, they came to one of a, a conference and, which I was speaking in and, and, uh, and, and they interviewed me and they said, oh, it's very interesting, you know, what you talked about. And I said, look, uh, you know, we're desperate for content, you know, would you, would you like to come? I was like, sure, I'll do it for, you know, are you going to charge? I said, no, I'll do it for free. I'll come every week and spend an hour and do a show with you, right? Wow. And, 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 and I was probably one of the earliest, first maybe show on BFM. Uh, that is consistent. I think after that was Jeevan, Jeevan started a show and, and, and there was a couple of others, right? But I did a show for 12 years, I mean, 10 years, right? I think with BFM, uh, where every Monday, I would spend an hour, you know, doing a show. And, you know, about a cu- couple of years ago, I, I started to give it away to my employees. I say, you do that, you know, enough uh, for me. So I think, you know, and, and today my employees still do the show, right? I think they, they, they run the BFM show. Um, but but, but that, that got, you know, BFM was a big deal in 2008, 2009 when it first came out. A lot of people in Klang were really listening to it. But, you know, I, again, was one of the guys that were very early on. You know, I, I, I remember when, when, when Tato Steven um, uh, got to know me, you know, in, in the star. I mean, one of the things I started to do is I volunteered. I said, look, I can write an article if you want. And if it's good enough, you can publish it. And I started to write one. And they said, okay, you write once a month. I said, it's okay. I tell you what, I'll write once a week. I'll give it to you. If you want to publish it, you can publish it once a month. Uh, but feel free to publish whenever. So I, I sent in. Initially, it was started once every other week. They will publish. Then they started to see I'm really consistent. Every week I send in because the problem with writers is, you know, tai tai, I'm, I'm, at the start you will be very excited, but after a while you're not consistent. But every week I'll submit an article, you know, on Thursday, uh, before the Saturday. And before long, you know, I was writing for Star consistently. So on a Saturday I was in Starbiz, you know, with a column, <laughs> um, not because I was really good at it. Initially I wasn't that good, but I kept doing it and doing it. Um, and, and, and so when, you know, and this happened in 2007, right? 2008, way before Leadernomics started, right? So when we started it, I had a bit of a brand, right? 
Um, and I think the same with SMEs, right? When you say you've got no money, right? There are things you can do. You know, today I'm doing a daily LinkedIn show, right? Um, and, and, and why is Crazy Fuller doing LinkedIn every day? I'm like, it's okay. But the, the reality is I'm meeting so many people today. I met Rob Pine, right? An Australian writer. Great. You know, such a great, thoughtful, insightful leader. Um, and, and, you know, next week, you know, it's Anthony Trucks, who's another famous uh, athlete in the US. Uh, every week I meet different people. You know, uh, last week, uh, Dato Nora was on, uh, on, on our uh, Rethinking Business uh, sheet, which is a very technical show, back on my finance background, right? I do a very technical show of deconstructing the balance sheet for SMEs. So we look at the balance sheet and rethink it, right? Because we, know we need cash, we need assets, but we are full of liabilities. <laughs> so how do we manage the balance sheet in a very clever way? Um, so I run a separate show with a very technical person, Ravi, you know, uh, who's from Danaharta before. So the two of us run this technical show. Uh, but I also run a, a, a leadership show. We also run a HR show where we look at psychology. Um, but, but to me, those are, uh, you don't have to pay for any of that, right? Mm. Um, but those are all free, right? So, I mean, I think you can say that I don't have money, I don't have things, but there are still opportunities for you to build a brand. Uh, yes. And I think that's important uh, in this time, time and age. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point uh, to finish off, uh, Roshan. So take advantage of all the means available, all the platforms that are available now, which are free, whether LinkedIn is your cup of tea or Facebook Live or whatever it is, and you know just put out your your brand and add value you know add value wherever you can to your customers to your non-customers to whoever and eventually you will you will get noticed and that's where the power of the brand will come in so think long term and and like roshan said all this is free yeah so you're adding value not expecting anything in return but like what he has shown he attracted kazana he attracted proton he attracted all these post malaysia and all these guys just by starting out first. So with that note, uh, Roshan, I'd like to thank you for your time and for your good uh, input into this program. All the best and we'll meet again. Yep. Thanks, thanks, thanks Peter. All the best. Have okay. a good one, guys. Take care. All right.